Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Welcome to Medicine on Call, where it's all about living with solutions. The show is going to be a little bit different today because we're going to talk about economics because I think that your financial health is tied to your well-being. And when people are not stable or they're not, not sure how they're going to pay their next bill, I think that affects them emotionally and eventually it will affect them physically. And today I have somebody who I met at a conference who I was just extremely impressed with, and I wanted my listeners to get to know her as well. Her name is Dr. Phyllis Hall. And Dr. Hall, I want you to tell us a little bit about your journey, because I don't think I can do service to you have an incredible life and how you came to become someone who could speak about economic health and how to teach people to be self-sufficient, responsible, we talk a lot about it, but people really don't know how to get started. So I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today because I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. Um, I got started um, one day I was walking across campus. Um, I work at a community college. And I, you know, had an epiphany, so to speak. Um, an idea that came with it with a, came with a question. Since I you know, have a PhD kind of love science and love research, um, I, I asked the question that came up was, um, I know we got a bad start in America as a, as a culture, African-American, descendants of African-American slaves. And, but I saw people coming to this country with nothing and in one generation creating wealth. And so the question I asked myself, how can people come in one generation with nothing in their pockets and create wealth? And then what I realized there was something that I didn't know about economics. And so I started my journey and researching about money. And um, I learned the first book I read was Who Owns What in America, I believe. And it was more of a historical book about, you know, the Vanderbilt, the Rockefellers, and how they created wealth, you know, during the industrial era and beyond when people are handed down wealth. And, um, so I started um, my journey, and then the second book I read, well, it was led to is called *The Millionaire Next Door*. Now that book is a was a book of, is a book of research, and it explained, you know, how wealth was really created, and the people that you think are wealthy are just a paycheck away from destruction because they take all of their resources and leverage it by buying the depreciating assets, and they buy things instead of um, invest their money um, in ways that allow them to uh, benefit from the compounding of interest over time. And so once I read that book, I realized that regular folks, everyday folks like me and you and other people that have nothing, how they can um, accumulate wealth. And it talked about the habits of people who actually do accumulate wealth. And I say wealth instead of riches because that's, you know, it's, um, it's, it's your definition of what's wealth for you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started on the journey, and I kept reading books. I became like a pac 
hand, so to speak. I might be dating my age. Um, and I started just reading up everything. So I read all of Rich Dad, Poor Dad stuff, The Millionaire Next Door, Automatic Millionaire, um, you know, Dave Box stuff. I eventually got to all of these things and um, and started looking at it from a, a biblical perspective about money. And I didn't realize the Bible says more about money than it says about anything. And so I just started, every time I learned something, um, I applied it. I started going to retirement meetings at the college, um, and when I would go in there, the older guys that were going and would consider themselves ready to retire would tease me and say, what are you doing here? You're too young. And I had the infinite wisdom to say that retirement planning starts the first day of your job. And by the end of those meetings, they weren't laughing at me. They were telling me, you need to tell more young people because I just realized that I I don't have enough wealth accumulated to retire, and now I'm going to be working until I die. Mm-hmm. And so that that really, you know, hit me. And so I just started applying things, and I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. I invested in annuities from insurance companies, which are bad forms of investment. Mm-hmm. Now, insurance has its place for risk management, but I don't believe that it has its place for accumulating wealth because you tend to make insurance companies more wealthy and stifle your wealth, but when we don't know things, mm-hmm. we um, tend to, you know, fall prey to um, the things that uh, that are, uh, are are marketed in our communities, and insurance has been one of those things, and the reason I say that is because when my mother passed away, before she passed away, she asked me to keep up an insurance policy, a burial policy that she had been paying for my dad, so I took the policy trying to honor her wishes. And um, the first one, I, I paid. I paid the premium of the policy premium, and um, then um, the next week another one came, and then two weeks later another one came. So I paid 240. I paid another. Um, the, the numbers are contrived because I don't really remember what they were. And um, then I had the infinite wisdom again to look at the policy, and I would have paid thirty thousand dollars for a twenty-five thousand dollar policy, and I said that makes absolutely no. No. Okay. Yeah. And so I I stopped the policy and I went and when I got my next step increase at work, I went and bought my dad and myself burial <laughs> burial plot and took care of it that way. Um, because most people, you know, when as a culture from what I grew up with, people were leveraged so much that when people died, you had to pass the plate to bury people. And um, and so I just knew that I was going to be the responsible one to take care of it and honor my mother's wishes, but I wasn't willing to transfer that money to an insurance policy when I could have invested that and made more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so uh, that's, that's, that's where I got started. And I just, every time I learned something, I put it into place. And I just really wanted to see if it worked. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> and um, um, and I, I, that compounding of interest is really... Uh, an interest, a, a fascinating thing. You can't really calculate it in your head, but you know that it works. And I started reading, like Benjamin Franklin, Franklin's first book, The Ways of Two Wealth, or The Way of Wealth. I can't remember what it is, the title. And uh, uh, and I just really started understanding compound interest in a way that um, that there's a there's a time value to money. And there's a time value to everything. There's a season of everything under the sun. And I agree with you as far as 
um, health and all those things. If you have wealth and no health, then you're poor. <laughs> but if you have health and you have wealth, um, then you can you can pay for the things that you need to maintain your health. You can pay for good food. Um, a lot of the food on the market today is genetically modified. But we haven't even done the research on some of the causes of that. What happens when you use we call Franklin Franken food mm-hmm. um, that cause health problems down the line that haven't been researched. And so, if you have good money, you know, if, you know, good resources, you can afford to buy organic food. Uh, I tend to believe if I were the queen of the world, I would say, hey, look, bad food from now on is going to cost will be more expensive than good food because I think that will change the way things work. You can afford to buy good food instead of, you know, genetically modified food. And economics is money. Money isn't everything, but it buys everything that you need. <laughs> and um, and I believe that um, it's really important because um, it's not a matter of how much you have make. It's what you do with what you make. And once I learned that, that there's a time value to everything. And so once you invest, the millionaire next door in the book, the millionaire next door taught me that if I was in my 20s and I invested $100 a month into some vehicle of investment, whether that's a Roth IRA, which is the second wonder of the world, the first one is a compound interest, I think. Um, if I invest $100 a month into a, a vehicle, investment vehicle, and I left and I put it, left it, by the time I was 65 years old, I would have over a million dollars but I wouldn't have invested a million dollars. And then it said if I waited till I was in my 30s, I would have to put $300 a month and to have a million dollars by the age of, age of 65. And that was based on the assumption that there was an interest, compounded interest of 10%. And then if you waited till your 40s, forget about it because you probably don't have that much take-home pay to, to invest it. And so that that the time um, is what is most important because compound interest, it just compounds. It's not like simple interest, which you know what simple interest is. If you have $100 and you make simple interest 10%, then you have 110 but it doesn't compound. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have compounding, it compounds. And so your money, the, the money that you make compounds, and, and it, just, it just creates this like life of its own, so to speak. And um, so I just um, I just started um, doing the things, and then when I learned that insurance products weren't the way because it wasn't, you know, the charts they showed, the fancy charts that they showed me didn't um, didn't wasn't materializing as I thought they should. And then all of a sudden, when I really understood compound interest, I transferred all my money over. I learned about um, investments that have low fees and stuff, index funds. And I started investing in those, and then, you know, almost 30 years out, um, the compound interest curve is slow in the beginning, so people don't think they're getting anywhere. But as it goes into year 28, 29, 30, 40, it just shoots off the chart. And, you know, and so people tend to be um, impatient. I've had people who I've told to max out their 403Bs and 401Ks and do the company match. If they didn't weren't doing anything, and they got into hard times, and they took the money out. Well, you, you know, oh, I, I had, I had, I had this emergency. 
you have to invest it and forget about it because now they lost the compounding, mm-hmm. you know, and they could never have the wealth that they thought they would have and that I knew that they would have that they just left it alone. And so um, that's, you know, you know, there's so, it's, it's economics. When you talk about economics, economics is just about choices, okay? The choices we make with our money. Um, you can you can invest it and accumulate wealth for a long time, time period, over a long time period, 30 years, 40 years, depending on when you start. And I would say start as young as you can and save as much as you can because um, when you get older in life and your working years are behind you because of health or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that's when you need wealth. You know, you know, people, when they're young, they, oh, I want this, I want a Lamborghini. I say, all you'll do is transfer your wealth to other people. And I guarantee you that Gucci and all these companies, they're wealthy already. They don't need your wealth, but you transfer your wealth to them. And when you make the decisions, and economics is about decisions, so do you want that LV bag, or do you want to have uh, secure um, wealth when you're old and your working years are behind you? Those are questions, and those are decisions. You have to make, and you have to when you make them when you're young, and you make the right decision, then your life is so much easier later because you have a sense, so to speak, of security. You'll be able to pay your insurance premium because most people don't get lifetime health benefits, um, and so you will be able. It won't be you know a question of what you're going to eat. Or if you're gonna, what medication can you not pay for? Mm-hmm. You will have the resources to do all of those things that makes for a better life because worrying takes away. People who worry a lot um, uh, usually have more anxiety, and, and that takes a toll on your life, too. It can cause you to not have good health. Absolutely. So, yes. And the finance money is, not, like I said, it's not everything. But it, it's a trade, it's a source of trading stamps, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And money is different than it was back in the 70s because money was really money. It's not really money now, it's legal tender. And as I was doing my research, I stumbled upon um, Dr. Mr. Mr. G. Edward Griffin. And I read his book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, which really did explain the money system to me, a historical system, and how things are stacked against the, the commoners um, because of the way the banking systems are in, a, in, in the world. I, I'm going to just say America because it's a world system. And if people need to understand that money is legal tender. It's not money because it's not backed by gold or silver or anything that has a value. You remember when we were younger? Yeah. We were silver yeah. and our pennies were really copper and our nickel was really nickel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you had silver certificates and gold certificates. You could take those to the bank and they would give you $10 worth of gold or whatever because it was backed by gold and you could you weren't supposed to print any money. So you could only print as much money as you had gold and port option. Remember those things? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now money is um, legal tender. Basically, you know, Congress and the Federal Reserve are the people who determine uh, how much money is going to into the economy when they do quantitative easing um, to, um, you know, 
help out in a recession and stuff like that. It really doesn't help out if he bases the dollar and makes things cost more because people are not going to take money and um, um, people who have the wealth are not going to just let the money get debased. They're just going to um, increase the, you know, cost of things. So it really doesn't, you know, um, it really doesn't help the commoners, the people who are, you know, use money um, um, as, as trading stamps, so to speak. Um, so I look at money as a trading commodity, and I don't look at it as a, um, real money anymore because it's not. And um, But you still have to accumulate trading stamps in order to trade for the things that you really need that make life better. Well, on that note, let's take a small break because when we come back, I want to delve into a little bit more examples for people because it's what you said is a great overview about how you don't have to be a victim in this system. You can actually make conscious choices that are going to help you down the road. So I want to go over that in more detail when we come back. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away, a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with uh, Dr. Hall, and before the break, we were talking about the overview of our economic system. And what really struck me, a lot of things you said were really was just enlightening and empowering. You don't feel like, you, like you can, you're stuck if you really start to think outside the box. One of the things that really struck me was the personal responsibility and the fact that you can make conscious choices, even if you're a millennial or you're in the middle age, you can still do things to help yourself to be self-sufficient. And you were talking about the compounding interest, which really fascinated me. That's probably a strategy that younger people would actually end up using. But where would they, I mean, banks don't do this. Where would they have to go to start to, to look into that side of investment with compounding interest? Well, the, um, uh, Senator Roth, uh, I, 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 I talk to the, with the millennials that I speak with, and I kind of do some financial coaching with them. Um, they have um, vehicles where they can um, invest in that the money that accumulates in there, uh, depending on their adjusted gross income, um, is 
not taxable on the way out. Mm-hmm. And the things that erode your purchasing power and your wealth are um, income tax or taxes and um, inflation. And so you have to um, figure out things that allow you to invest better. And so Senator Roth created the Roth IRA, and now they have the Roth 403B or 401K. And when people are young in their careers, they're not making a lot of money in the beginning, so they're not trying to, um, you know, um, uh, uh, not, e- not evade taxes, but they're not trying to, you know, um, get into tax advantage accounts. Mm-hmm. Like when we, when we first came into existence, there were insurance products, and then there were, um, I, I work in a government uh, school, so it's a 403B. And, uh, in private and public, uh, companies, it's the 401k. And if people work for themselves, they have individual items and stuff like they, that they can key off the things that they can invest in. But those are just deferred taxes, so we pay taxes later down, down the road when we retire. Um, and, um, they have mandatory withdrawal. And so at the, when you turn 70 and a half, you have to start taking those monies out of accounts that are not uh, that are tax-deferred versus tax-free. And Roth IRAs and Roth 403Bs and Roth 401Ks are tax-free. They, they were set up for middle class and, and, and below people to um, economics so that they could um, start increase the saving rates of, of, this, of these, these populations. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, I always tell young people to, that they should just invest in those things. Um, some people talk about individual stocks. Why don't you invest in individual stocks and stuff like that? And well, I do. I, I mean, I have, you know, um, individual stocks with Berkshire Hathaway B. I like Warren Buffett and I wanted to own, um, some of his company. And so I, I read the Wall Street Journal and it said that, um, that the company, um, was in a split share with the shares because they were buying Burlington Rail. And so they had to, you know, Burlington Rail stocks were really low. And so when they bought them, they were going to split. They thought they were going to split at 30 and they split at 60. So I bought two shares and then I got 50 to 1. Now, I don't think you can get wealthy by buying individual stocks unless you buy. Warren Buffett doesn't give dividends, pay dividends. Now, when people buy individual stocks, they can't get, you know, dividends, which compound. They can just request that they be reinvested. Even though I'm not in... Um, I just do that for, for fun money, you know. Mm-hmm. I um, have a 403B, and um, you can max it out. Um, uh, you, there's the, li- the limits are changed every year. Sometimes they don't. And um, I had already started that, um, and I, that was the vehicle that I had. And But I do have a Roth IRA. Um, if I qualify, I will put money <laughs> into a Roth IRA because that's a tax-free thing. Um, so, like, they can go to um, T. Rowe Price, or they can go to uh, Fidelity, or they can go to uh, a discount brokerage house, and they can open a brokerage account, and um, they can um, uh, start, you know, open a uh, Roth IRA or a 401k, and they can start investing, you know, the automatic millionaire says if you do it automatically, and it's done. You don't have to worry about you physically writing a check mm-hmm. and doing it. And so I, I say automate it, and I've been doing that 
for a long time, and um, it does. It, it works. I, I'm here to tell you that it works. And um, but with a Roth IRA, I mean with a um, with a Roth, uh, yeah, Roth IRA, um, you don't have mandatory withdrawals. Um, and um, but you do some of the um, money, like in the 401ks and 403bs. Um, Seventy and a half. You have to be 59 and a half to legally take the money out without a penalty. If you take the money out before that time, then you pay a 10% penalty, and then you pay regular income tax on the money. And so it increases. If you they make 60,000 and you take 20,000 out, then you make 80,000, and you have to pay taxes, whatever your tax liability is on that. And then you have to pay a 10% tax because you took it out before you were 59 and a half. And that's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The money is set up for your retirement, and so you don't want to um, uh, compromise your retirement. I just had a friend I was talking to, and I said, well, she just retired. She owned a business, and, um, you know, I asked her about, she sold her home, moved into a retirement area, paid cash for it, so she's debt-free. And, um, you know, I asked her about her, you know, her 403B, her 401K and stuff, and she said she she was ill and she had to use it. So now Social Security um, was never meant to be a retirement, a pension plan. It was just made to be one leg of a stool. So when you're young, you have to create, if you create your own, your own legs of a stool when you're younger, it's a lot easier because... Because the time that you have for compounding is so critical that if you lose that time, like I have people that come to me, they've retired already, they're 70 years old, and they say, um, now they're concerned about having money. Well, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's not too late because you can still, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, if you live, compounding is compounding. But you're going to be needing to live off of that during the time it's compounding, so you're really not getting ahead of the game. I do. And yes, and so younger people, you know, when you, when you when you're a student, when you're a student, when you're a kid, you're broke. People think kids are rich. Well, unless you're, you know, emancipated and making your own money, kids are are what their parents are. They kids think they are what their parents are, but all kids are broke. Okay. <laughs> so if you start when you're younger, and and you know, instead of consuming, you know. Um, uh, uh, consuming like video games and things like that, and you invest in those things, you know, then you're going to be better off than your friends. But if you you cannot invest in a 403b or a 401k unless you have earned income. I have a lot of people who come to me and say, you know, I'm getting a windfall from an insurance company. Can I invest it? It's like, no, you you can invest it, but you can't invest it in a Roth or anything like that because you don't have earned income. You can only, if you make a $500, then you, and you're 100 and you're in your 20s, the maximum amount you can put in a Roth IRA is $500. Okay? Hey, Dr. Hall, we have to stop. Yeah. i got to take a small break. I'm so sorry to cut you off, but I want you no to pick problem. that thought up when we come back. You're listening to Medicine on Call. health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. 
This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Dr. Phyllis Hall. Um, somebody who's living, you know, living what she preaches and offering solutions for people to start crafting their own retirement. I actually didn't know that you had to have earned income to have a Roth IRA. So that was really good information. And what happens if you get a windfall? Where would you put that money that you could access that compounding side of, of savings? Or could you? Yes, you could, um, because um, you have money that you, is just in the regular stock market. So, like, I have different vehicles, and, and most a lot of people have different vehicles for investing. So you can have a Roth IRA. You can have regular investments that you just invest in, and and and, and then you I, I have then you can have your 403 ones or 401ks that are associated with your job, your work, or or you can do individual IRAs. Um, they have limitations on how much you can put in them, um, but you can fund it. If you're younger, it doesn't matter because the, 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 you have 30, 45 years of compounding. Mm-hmm. It takes smaller money to make it, so it's not really that important. What I want people to understand is, is that, you know, um, anybody can find out this information. You can go to uh, the government website on retirement, or you can just Google, just ask Siri, you know, about uh, the Roth IRA, what are the qualifications. Every year, it, it comes out what the, the limitations are for that year and what the advantage are for that year. So, I think it's um, 24 5000 if you're over 50, and eighteen five if you're under, and that's the 401k or the 403b, or the Roth 401k or 403b if you're doing an individual IRA or a Roth IRA. I think it's 5000 uh, I think it may be 550 this year, 5500 So you divide that by 12, and then every month you would have that automatically shift over into um, the vehicle of your choice. So, um, like, I have um, regular investments, uh, with investments with after-tax dollars that I just invest. I have a Roth when I'm qualified uh, to put it in, and then I have my 403B. They're all in the same asset allocation, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, index funds, uh, Vanguard, I'm a global head, and um, and then outside of um, Vanguard in my 403B, um, it's, it, it, it's just stuff that it, 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 it's um, investments that mimic um, Vanguard because 
not all companies will have access to uh, the different companies of funds. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, they can do that with after-tax dollars. They can invest uh, um, in, a, in, in a mutual fund. Um, uh, but if they have a windfall, but but if you but to invest in um, Roth IRA and any uh, any um, individual retirement plan, you have to have earned income, um, and you can only put in what you earn in some cases. Because some people are business owners and they have different vehicles. I'm not talking about those. Okay, and these are investment vehicles, but what I mean. To me, the banks are probably the least safe place at this point to put your money in. What's your take on those? Well, that's why I said brokerage houses, um, investments. I, I have, I personally, um, when I started doing research, I was reading books and stuff, and I read a book by Daniel Solomon, the last Wall Street book you pay book you'll need, Wall Street book you'll need, um, the last retirement book you'll ever need, and I read a lot of different things. And so I contacted Daniel, who is a financial planner, and, and everybody that calls themselves are financial planners are not. Some of them are just salespeople for insurance companies. And so there are questions that um, you can go online and ask, what should I ask the financial planner? You, you want somebody that's a fiduciary. So Daniel was a fiduciary, and uh, his team was working with Index Funds Annuity, which is in Irvine, California, not far from me. And so I met him on the phone. He was in Florida and we talked about it and I brought all my assets in. And in order to um, uh, get involved in some companies, you have to have a hundred grand to start. But index fund annuity just does have other investments where people can invest a little at a time and eventually accumulate up to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I hired a a fiduciary because I understood what a fiduciary person who is a financial planner who is not uh, certified, so to speak, uh, who's not a fiduciary, they can make money for themselves while putting your money someplace. And so if I work for a company, you came to me and I said, okay, um, I'm going to put you this fund um, and uh, this, this fund of families um, and I, I get, but you don't have to pay me for anything, but they get paid. Okay, and they get paid depending on what types of um, A shares, B shares, C shares that they put you in. Um, and for that insurance company, they either get paid up front or they get paid uh, later on. Um, I mean, they get paid by the company by the money that you and you, and then so your money that you invest in those things, those annuities, has a surrender fee. So that surrender fee is because they paid somebody, and so that money is going to go to pay those people. And so you can't, if you take your money out, you don't get all the money you put in back. So you have to wait till the surrender fees charges are up in order to um, not be penalized. And so it's, it's really important that you um, understand, you know, you can't go into a blind. Most people just just say, here's my money, do whatever you want me to do, or just make me some money. You can't have that attitude. Okay, mm-hmm. you really do have to become an expert because there's a because there's a time value to everything. If you put it in the wrong um, company and it's not growing, then you you're, you're not going to get to the goals that you 
have set for yourself. Like retirement is a number; it's not an age. You know, I have this friend. She said, "I'm retired at 62," and I said, "You need to retire when you have the wealth to retire, not because you're 62. Retirement is a number. How much do you need to live? You know, 30 years, 40 years in retirement. If people are living 30 years in their retirement, and so you have to calculate a number of how much you need based on reality. How much are, is your are you in debt? Are you leveraged? Um, how can how much money do you need every month to live? Okay, so mm-hmm. you have to figure that out, and uh, it shouldn't be a you know a crystal ball type of thing, even though it is sort of like a crystal ball type of thing. But it's a it's a, you're really investing um, so that later on you will be able to have the resources you need, and and you won't be so leveraged. Um, uh, you won't be leveraged in a way that is a liability to your um, retirement, age, retirement. And a lot of times when people are young, they're not thinking about retirement. They're thinking about their student loans, debts, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have student loans. And I said, it was the best money I ever borrowed. It's the best money I ever paid back. And I would do it again because it helped me accumulate wealth in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't qualified for those. So. Nobody wants to qualify for student loans because it means you're broke <laughs> or, you're, or, or, you're, or you're poor. Um, but, you know, I'm so glad that um, the government invests in Americans who don't have the financial resources so that they can get off the um, rolls of poverty and become assets to the government, which is the tax, uh, the tax our tax liability becomes a tax advantage to the government because we're paying instead of taking money away from the government. Um, and so it's really important that you're right. It, it really is important that individuals understand that you can individually change your family tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what happened to us in the past. It, it, it makes it more difficult because we are conditioned by the people who came before us who didn't have the, the assets and the, and the, and the, opportunities that we had and so they teach us you know like at work sometimes people will say oh well I I don't want to get involved in the union at first because I'm not tenured and so then they get they don't for five years until they get tenure or whatever it is they don't participate but by the time they get tenure then they don't participate because they've been conditioned not to not to participate until they get in trouble (laughs) then they want to participate but, but what I would say is, is that it has to, we have to change the way people think about, um, economics, uh, and, and, and when I say economics, I mean the choices that they make. And if you can save a hundred dollars a month for, uh, your whole working career, even if you never upped it, okay, you would have over a million dollars. That's if the return on investment was 10%. And when they look at the market, um, they, looked at markets for 85 years, 35 years, and the return on the investments have been close to that. Now, we are in a different world now, okay, investing-wise, but compound interest still works, and um, I can't tell you how much it's going to yield for each individual, but I know that if you max, if you keep, as you move up the pay scale, as you move up your increments, you have steps and stuff like that. If you don't try to live larger 
And if you try to invest till you can max out your stuff and then use the money that you have left over to live, then I would say that you're better off than, you know, the majority of Americans because they say 50% of people um, at old age don't have, like, $5,000 or $3,000 or $10,000 in their retirement fund. You can't live a, a future with $10,000. You follow me? Yeah, sure do. So, yes, individual. What, what I learned from the millionaire next door was that, that, that there was a system of accumulating wealth. And it wasn't an accident winning the lottery. Mm-hmm. It wasn't any of that. It's a long it's long-term investing over a period of time and consistently um, automate, automating it so that it's just, you know, you're not even used to that money and then forgetting about it. And just keep, look, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. With a fiduciary, I meet with them once or twice a year. We look at my asset allocation. We make sure it's still in the parameters that I set. Um, they have rules. Um, if you're um, the rule is that for, if you're um, whatever your age is minus, minus 100, that's how much money you should have in growth stocks in the stock market because that's where you really do make a lot of your money. Mm-hmm. And you have 40 years, so you have the time to take the risk. And depart, depending on what your asset allocation is, my asset allocation is the same for my Roth IRA. It's the same for my 403B. It's the same for my other investments. You understand what I'm saying? They're just in different vehicles, but the asset allocations mm-hmm. are the same. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I wanted to see if it works. So, you know, I, t- I it depends on your risk. Some people don't like taking risks. Women are notorious for trying to save their principal instead of um, taking risks. Men take on risk. That's why they get more wealthy over time. Um, and women want to secure their things. Well, they tend to go and into annuities and stuff because they just throw their money at somebody and then the people put it in and they, yeah, they make a lot of money. And if you look down the line, $400,000 seems like a lot of money, but they could have made a million four. You follow me? I do. Um, because they chose to say, to be, be safe, mm-hmm. whereas you have to take some risk. There's no risk without reward. And it's a calculated risk. It's not a stupid risk. Day trading might be more of a, uh, 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 bad risk. But investing for the long term is not only um, reasonable, it's also biblical, and it also sets the person up to be their own three-legged stool when they retire. Because nobody knows where the world is going to go, but all you can do is do the right thing for yourself so that when you arrive at old age, everybody will retire, (laughs) Whether whether they want to or not. Um, some people say, oh, I'm going to work all my life, and then they get an illness, and they can't work. Um, and some people just, you know, they have that day where they go into work, and they say, I just can't do this anymore, and they they will leave. You want to make sure that you can determine when you're going to leave, okay? And how you do that is by taking individual responsibility for your own wealth. Don't wait for mama. Don't wait for mama to pass away, dad to pass away. You can do it yourself. And if you start off younger, you know, when young people come to me, I look at them and say, you have something that I don't have. You have time. And if you use your time correctly and you understand the difference between wants and needs, you will be ahead of most of the people in your generation. 
Let's, on that note, on that positive note, let's take a break. Our last break, you're listening to Medicine on Call. If you've tried taking over-the-counter medications, but still have problems with nasal congestion, recurrent sinus infections, sinus headaches, or a dry mouth when you wake up in the morning, why not fix the problem? From natural integrative treatment to minimally invasive surgery, Peachtree ENT Center will work with you to find the solution that works best for you. Call 404-591-9100 today to make an appointment or visit us at PeachtreeENTCenter.com because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to Medicine on Call, the place where healthcare, business, and current events connect. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Professor Phyllis Hall. Before the break, uh, Professor, I think there was something that you said that really stuck out to me. And, and one of the things that's really key is you have you have to make positive choices. Your history, you know, going back in your bio, you lived in a socialist country. You were you've seen what the other side of economics is like in a communist-based system. One thing I have a question about too, actually. The students now seem to be very much pushed towards a social democratic mindset. Do these guys really understand the power of the person and their control over it? Or do you, are you having to find that you have to teach them that it's not the government that needs to take care of you? Well, while I might be a professor at work, um, financially I am um, just a financial geek, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but. Um, when students, I read, um, I read something, or where it says when students are talk, talked about when they talk about socialism and their favor to it, but when you tell them about their resources being taken away and somebody allocating you, um, you can live in a nine hundred square foot apartment. This is what you get and everything. Then they don't, they don't agree with it. They don't, they agree with it because they really don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Okay, until they understand it, then they don't agree with it. <laughs> But um, socialism has some positives in the sense that, you know, like when I live in Denmark, they, we have, they, they have free health care. And I tell people, anytime somebody says free anything, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not true because somebody pays for it. And my, my Danish family, they um, live in a flat, and everybody has a summer hoops, a summer house. <laughs> and it might be like a, a shed <laughs> with one big table in the middle of the floor. But everybody has a summer hoop. And um, my, but when my Danish mom, if, if she would sell her house, she would get so many kroners up front and the rest of it she would get over her lifetime. So you can't get rich selling property. Also, I had a student who married a Dane that moved to Denmark. And he um, and she wanted, she said, there's no donuts in Denmark. So she wanted to open a donut shop. And she found out that with the tariff, she would have to pay almost $25 a piece for a donut. <laughs> okay? And back then, the kroner was like seven kroner to a dollar. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, she would have been out of business before she started. <laughs> so when you look at things and regulations, and I just remember when I lived there, um, the, the suicide rate was off the charts. You know, and I, and I would think about, like, we'd be on the train and we'd be 
reason why we can make a plane, put a plane in the sky and make it fly against all odds is because we create and we're creating. And if we create things, then we create wealth. And if you don't create things that is of value to other people, then you're going to be broke. Um, so that's part of the whole thing about um, value um, and, and making uh, making valuable things in the world that people can use and benefit from that are positive that can also um, help you become accumulate wealth also. Um, wealth, I don't think, is a, a thing that we should be hoarding. I think it's a thing that we should, because the, when you have a wealth, it puts you in a position to be able to give. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just an incredible thing to do. Um, I see a lot of people who say, um, who are broke and say, oh, um, uh, I gave my last dollar to sell somebody. And I said, and then they're coming to me and asking me for money because they need money for their rent because they gave somebody else their last $10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, well, first of all, that $10 wasn't yours to give. It belonged to your landlord, okay? And you chose to give it to somebody else. Now you're at my door asking me to give you money because you gave somebody. You made a poor decision. You made a choice that's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your, your apartment or your house because you gave money to somebody else that you didn't have. We have to think differently about what we do with the wealth that we have, whether it's large or small. We have to decide what it is. Socialism is a, it is a, when I, when I went to Russia, um, it was, it wasn't really, uh, it was communism, totalitarianism. And so when you look at those things and you say, wow, you know, this is really sad. Um, this, it has its, all the isms have side effects that are distasteful, okay? And, um, but I've lived, traveling all over the world, there is no place like the experiment of America. And everybody tries to emulate capitalism, even if they do crooked capitalism. They try to emulate it because it is amazing what it allows people to do. And if we do it in a good, positive way, where we give, you know, mm-hmm. um, then we don't need welfare, okay? Um, because churches were the ones that did the giving of food and giving of feeding the hungry and stuff like that. If they do what they're charged to do, we have systems that develop when we have a need in our society, when people have wealth, okay? Mm-hmm. And even though my wealth might be not as big as your wealth, your wealth, not, I'm not a billionaire. I don't have Donald, I don't have Donald Trump's wealth. I don't have Warren Buffett's wealth. I don't have Oprah Winfrey wealth. But I have well enough wealth to share and help people on a smaller scale. And if we're all doing that, if we're all taking responsibility for accumulating our own individual wealth, then we we put ourselves in a position to be able to help when somebody calls. And I rather teach people how to fish than give a person a fish. When I loan somebody something or give somebody something, because my dad said never loan anybody anything, you have to give it to them because then expect that you're not going to get it back. And so then I have to make a decision, economics. If you come and ask me for $100, I have to, I have to in, in, in turn say, do I have $100 to lose? Am I willing to lose this $100? If I have wealth, then chances are, yeah, I can lose this $100. So I'm not going to loan it to you. Because I'm, I'm going to give it to you with the assumption uh, that I'm not going to get it back. Okay? Uh-huh. And then it's 
If you don't pay me back, if you say you're going to borrow it and you don't pay me back, your word is your bond. If you don't do that, then what happens is, is when you come the next time, I'm not going to throw good money behind bad money. Okay? Mm-hmm. Not going to do it. Because that's not being smart and being a steward with the resources over the resources that I have been blessed with. You know? I want, if I, if you're going to give me the money that my student loan, students always say, well, I defaulted on my student loan. I say, but you signed a promissory note to pay the government back. The government subsidized those loans. And that money goes into a pot. And people that come behind us have it. And if you're not willing to put the money back into the pot, then the people that come behind you, where are they going to get money? Are the Federal Reserve, they're just going to print more money and print more money and make money less valuable? Do you want them to do that? And then have your grandchildren's grandchildren have to pay back the debt? Of dollars of debt, that doesn't even make sense. Exactly. It's, it's all about so, personal responsibility, honestly. Exactly. Exactly. Instead of collectivism, yeah. it's about individual responsibility. And if each individual is responsible and uh, about their own wealth and understand how it works, you know, how it works to accumulate wealth and a little bit of money over a long period of time and not this windfall thing. And not inheriting. Most people have not inherited money. Some people have, you know, uh, but some most people have are self-made, and they're not really self-made. They are community-based made because they find they found something that is of value to the, the population, and the population rewards them by purchasing it with with a profit on it, and that profit that they take is the value that they get from being of value to other people. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, on that note, on that positive note, uh, there's nothing else to add. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show because it was an important conversation to have that people can, they don't need an outside source. They can make their own decisions. They can be proactive and they can be self-sufficient and, and independent. And that's really what it's all about. It's not someone else being able to manipulate and control you. It's you being able to have the ability to do what you want and have the wherewithal to retire with and give and receive and basically live a nice, long, healthy life. And is there a way that people can reach you? Do you have a website or a blog or anything that people can reach you if they want to contact? No, not at this point, but you know, they can reach me through you. Okay. Well, I'll, I will definitely pass along anybody who needs your expertise and your wealth of knowledge and just just your goodness. I'm also on the Freedom Force International website too. What's the web address for that? Um, it's the freedomforceinternational.org. Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on, and I look forward to seeing you in the new year and taking some of your advice and putting it into play because I could use this myself. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.